Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. All right, you asked for it. You asked for it. I'm excited. I'm excited for this, this series that we're going to jump into today. Uh, it's called You Asked For It because we, we sent out a survey and we posted it on social media and we gave you the opportunity uh, to send in some questions that you have about your faith, questions that you have about the Bible, questions that you have about God or questions about relationships, questions about family. And we got some awesome responses and I'm really excited to, to dive into these different topics that we're gonna be going through the next few weeks and discuss some of these hard questions that we sometimes can wrestle with. If you didn't have the opportunity uh, to fill out a, a question yet, it's not too late. Like I said, you can go to life.cc and you'll, you'll be able to fill out a question there uh, on our website under the You Asked For It uh, tab that's there at the website. But I'm really excited to dive in today to part one. And this is a question that we got leading up to this week. And listen, when you hear this question, you're gonna, you're gonna know that you've asked this question yourself. That it's not too unique just to one person, but it's actually something that I think every person, no matter what their context is, no matter what their background is or where they're from or what their religion is, or even if they don't have religion or faith, I think every human being at some point asks this question, does God have a purpose for my life? Does God really have a plan for my life? Does God really have a purpose for putting me here or am I just here by a mistake? This is a question that people have asked for thousands of years. What does this all mean? What's the point of all this? I know I've asked that question. I've asked God, why am I here? And then in my times of doubting, my times of skepticism, even though I wasn't asking God, I was still asking the question, what is this all about? What's the point? What's the point of life? Why is this such an important question for us as human beings? Why is this such a fundamental question of our existence? That no matter who you are, where you're from, what point in history you've lived, people have been asking this question, is there a point? Is there a purpose? And I'm just gonna give you my opinion, and I base this opinion from my own experience, but also from reading and studying the Bible. What I believe is that the reason this is such a fundamental question in humanity, and the reason that every culture and every race throughout history, every group of people have asked, what is the purpose? The reason is, I believe, because our eternal spirit that God created us with, it recognizes that there is something missing. You tracking with me? There's something at the core of our being. There's something at the core of our spirit that recognizes, even on a subconscious level, that something's missing, that there is a void, that for some reason it feels like we should be connected to something much bigger than ourselves, but it feels like there's a disconnect. And it's sin is what the Bible tells us. Sin is what caused the disconnect. Because it wasn't God's intention for us to feel that void, because he did create us with a purpose. But sin came in and caused this divide, this disconnect between us and God. It caused this disconnect between us and the one who gave us purpose. Since we're void of that purpose, there's a longing in all of us. There's a longing in humanity to have that question asked, what is this all, or answered, what is this all about? This longing causes us to question and search for a higher purpose, search for a higher calling, search for something that connects us to what God originally intended for us to do. The questioning and searching can also cause us 
to settle for some pretty poor substitutes. You know this is true, even though you haven't recognized it yet, but I know I'm not the only one who has tried to find meaning or tried to find purpose through relationships. And I've tried to find meaning and purpose through a career, a vocation, a title, a job. When I was a young man, I grew, listen, I grew up in church. My father is a lead pastor here. My, my family has been pastoring this church since 1957. My great-grandfather traveled America, planted 15 churches, baptized over 10,000 people, and then here comes little Bo Kilgore. Gee, I wonder what God wants me to do. I wonder what God's purpose is for my life. I say all that, not in a braggadocious way. I say that to tell you, even though God made it pretty plain and clear for me what his will was for my life, what his intentions were for my life. Even I got confused. Even I wondered, is this really, is this really it? And so I went my own way for a while and I tried to find purpose in a title, a vocation, something that I thought was a calling. And I joined the Marine Corps to be a Marine. And I, I loved my experience, I'm thankful, I'm proud of the Marine Corps, I think it's great, Marine Corps is special, okay? And I know there's probably other vets in here from different branches, I'm sorry you didn't choose the best option, I really am. <laughs> I tried to find that meaning in something that was appealing, something that looked good, it was alluring, but ultimately it didn't really fulfill the purpose that God had for my life. You try to find meaning in wealth, you try to find meaning in fame. You try to find meaning in influence, material possessions. And you look at the world right now, in our culture, in our context here in America, the most popular counterfeits for purpose right now that people are searching for and that people are falling into, these counterfeits revolve around their identity. Your ultimate purpose is in your identity, your sexuality, your gender, your culture, your race. They're finding, uh, they're, they're finding these counterfeit purposes in political activism and social activism and bringing reform. And listen, there's a reason why those arenas in our society, there's a reason why those arenas in our culture are so alluring and appealing to people, especially people in my generation, millennials and younger than me. And the reason is because these things seem to offer something. Oh, be part of this and you can bring justice. Be part of this movement or be part of this group and we're gonna bring change. Be part of us and we're gonna fight evil. Be part of us and you're joining a righteous cause. And it's from the core of our being, this desire to connect to something bigger than us, to connect to a purpose that's bigger than us, that transcends what we can see around us, that's causing people to fall for these counterfeits. Now, I don't want you to confuse what I'm saying. I think Christians should be in those arenas. I think believers should step into those arenas. But it's very important for us to realize that that's not where our purpose comes from. That these counterfeits that the world offers, that's not where our purpose comes from. Maybe you've been asking yourself this question. Does God really have a purpose for my life? Does God really have a will for my life? Is there really a call of God on my life? For those of you that grew up in church, that's, that's common language, right? What's God's call on my life? What is God's will for my life? Does my life have meaning? Maybe you've wondered this, if God does have purpose for my life, why the heck is my life so crazy? If God does have purpose for my life, why would my parents get divorced when I was a kid? If God does have purpose for my life, why do I have cancer? If God does have purpose for my life, why am I facing so many problems? If he's got purpose for my life, then why did I enter the world with so many disadvantages? The Bible talks about God's purpose. And it talks about God's purpose for people even as they're enduring incredibly terrible things in this life. 
God has a purpose through those things. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 36 says this, and, and the writer of Hebrews is addressing a group of people that have been facing some serious persecution. Like persecution, like being put in prison and put to death. Persecution like fed to wild animals because of their faith. This is who the writer of Hebrews is writing to, and he says, do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings to you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. That doesn't, that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem fair that God's purpose, that God's will can sometimes lead us deliberately into difficult situations. If God is loving and if God is merciful, why would he call me his child who believes in him and has faith in him? Why would he call me into difficult situations? I won't give you the answer yet, but I'm sure you've asked that question yourself. What we say here at Life Church and what we believe to the core of what this house represents is that the best life you can live is the life that God has for you. And we don't say that flippantly. It's not just a catchphrase that our pastor has coined. We really believe that the best life you could ever live is the life that God has for you. And that life is not free from adversity. It doesn't say the happiest life. That's not what we say. It doesn't say the easiest life. It says the best life. Why is it the best life? What makes it the best life? It's because it's the best life as you go through adversity and as you go through pain, that's where you find the meaning. That's in those moments when you connect with the almighty God and he shows you his plan for your life and how you can make this world better. And that's the life that brings you fulfillment. That's the life that when you come to the end of your life, you're gonna look back and say, I know I've lived a good life because I have followed God and I have done the things he's asked of me and I've made a difference in the lives of people around me. Amen. You see, when you, when you look at the way that God has created things, when you just look at who God is, you don't even have to look in the Bible. You can just look around at creation. You can see the order in nature, the order in the seasons, the, the, the order within animals, the order with the sun rising and setting, the order just in our solar system. When you really start looking at how things have been put together in creation, then you realize God is a God of order. There's something we used to say in the Marine Corps when you're going into battle, you have to prepare and account for everything to go wrong, okay? Now, every plan that you develop is surely not going to work out the way you think it is. So you have to be willing to adapt and overcome to the changes. And there's a common phrase that's been coined. I'm sure it's not unique to the Marine Corps. I'm sure other military branches is, is common to say this as well, but it's all about controlling the chaos because battle is chaos. And if you're gonna win the battle, you've got to control the chaos. If you look around in creation, there are some things that seem chaotic, right? But what we see is that God brings order to the chaos. That God is a God of order, he's a planner. Look at the life of Abraham. When God called Abraham from far away land and says, you know what, Abraham, I'm gonna make you the father of many nations. I want you to come over to this piece of, piece of uh, land that you've never been to before. I've got a special possession for you. I mean, that was a tall order and Abraham's life was crazy and God developed an entire nation out of one man. And then you look at the nation of Israel and the, the instructions that God would give and the order that he brought. And then you look at Jesus and how he came and he did things where he caused a lot of chaos around him, but he did things with order. 
fulfilling the plan of God to bring redemption to humanity, all so intentional, all so in order, but in the midst of it, there is adversity and there is chaos. And I know because of that, it can be difficult at times to understand what God's purpose is for our life. Wouldn't it be nice if there was no adversity? And wouldn't it be nice if there was no chaos and everything was perfect and there were no problems and we could come into this life and see, ah, I see exactly what it is that I'm supposed to do and I'm gonna be a good robot and go do it. I think a lot of times that's what we think we want, but the truth is that's, that's not life. And it's certainly not free will. It's certainly not you having the choice about the way you're going to live your life. So it's difficult sometimes to see what that purpose in our lives is. I'm gonna give you two things that can help you understand God's purpose for your life. And this is a topic that we could exhaust for weeks. But I'm gonna give you two simple points today, okay? I'm gonna break this down in two points that if you understand these two things, you will step into the purpose that God has for your life. If you came in with questions, if you came in wondering and feeling like you're worthless or it's hopeless or there is no meaning, if you understand these two things that I'm about to tell you, your life can be transformed because you will be able to recognize and step into the purpose that the creator of the universe has for you. Are you ready? The first thing is this, and it's first for a reason, it's first for a reason, because if we don't get this right first, the rest of it doesn't matter. Number one is this, God's purpose for your life is who you are. It's who you are. What do I mean by that? What I mean is if you're wondering what your purpose is, you need to recognize that God always addresses the who before he addresses the what. That God is going to address who you are first before he gives you something to do. God wants to work on your heart so that he can put some work in your hands. Are y'all tracking with me? Let me put it this way. You can't do the work of God in this world unless you are the person that God has called you to be. And I think a lot of times in our world and in our society and just human nature is that we think our purpose is tied to what we do. We think our purpose is, to, is tied to some kind of work. When really what God has told us from the beginning is, yeah, I've got some work I need you to do. I've got some work that I want you to do that's gonna bring fulfillment. But first, let's talk about who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, you're not really gonna be able to do what I need you to do. And so we're wondering, what is our purpose? Is there really a plan for my life? And God is saying, yes, but before it's about the work, it's about you. Men. You can't be the husband that God wants you to be to your wife unless you are first the man of God that he called you to be. Ladies, ladies, you can't be the wife that your man needs until you are first the woman of God that he's called you to be. Amen. Let's get a little more real for everybody in the room. You can't step into these different arenas in our society, these cultural arenas, social arenas, political environments that desperately need wisdom and change. You can't step into those places expecting to be a person that brings justice and expecting to bring, be a person that brings leadership and wisdom if you are not the person that God has called you to be. See, you're not gonna do God's will if you just are like everybody else in the world. And I know this isn't the popular choice. This isn't what we wanna hear. This isn't what we as human beings want to hear about our purpose. Because we want to hear that God's purpose or our purpose in life is tied to our job. 
We want to hear that our purpose is tied to our degree or to our position or to our income or to our resources. That's what we want to hear. We want to just give me the one step easy version. What's the one thing I need to do in my life where I can just do this one thing and have immediate fulfillment and satisfaction knowing that I have fulfilled my purpose. That's what we want. I wish it was that easy. I wish when we were 16, we were like, oh, I know what my purpose is. It's to go to college and be an engineer. And that's my purpose. That's what we want, but that's not really what we need. And that's not really what God has called us to. While we want the easy version, while we want that one step to success version, what God says is, no, actually your purpose is about your relationships and your finances and your thoughts and your habits and your opportunities, and it's about your attitude, and it's about your family, and it's about your job, and it's about your influence with people. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but your whole purpose is about all of you. It's about everything. It's about the big things and the small things in your life. It's about the things that you might think don't count. That God is saying, first, if you want to fulfill your purpose in this life, first you have to recognize that everything about you is tied to your purpose. The thoughts you think when you're by yourself, when you know nobody else in all of existence is going to know the thoughts that you think. Guess what? That matters for your purpose. The habits that you have that you think are secret, that you do in private, that you think no one is going to find out about, that is tied to your purpose. The way that you treat strangers is tied to your purpose. You see what I'm saying? It's not the big things that we wish it was so easy just to, I can aim towards this and I see a clear path to success and once I get this, it's all done. No, it's about everything. It's about who you are first. And there's a reason if you were to open your Bible right now to the very first page, the very first book, the very first chapter, Genesis chapter one, what do we see that God addresses first about you and I? It's not the work. It's about who we are. Because all, God always addresses the who before the what. I'll prove it to you. Let's go to Genesis chapter one, verses 26 through 28. God has just created all the universe, the world. He has created the earth. He's brought it to this point now where it's ready for humanity. And he recognizes and he intends to have a special creation among this, this new world and this new existence that he has made. He intends for there to be somebody special that he can have a relationship with that's going to do the work of ruling over the creation while they're serving him. This is a special moment. And God said this, let's make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the, of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the water. You see what happened? God had some work for people to do, right? God had some work he intended for Adam and Eve to do and for their children to do. But before he talked about the work they were going to do, he said, we're gonna make them our image. I need them to do some work, but first, what I'm first concerned about is who, who are they gonna be? Because it's gotta be somebody that's not just like every other animal. It's not just like every other part of this creation. It's, it's a special creation. And so for this special creation, I'm going to make them in my image. God is holy. God is righteous. God is just. God is wise. God is merciful. God is loving. And his intention was to make people that represented who he was and reflected who he was so that he could give them some work to do. Let's, let's continue reading. Verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them. He made them male and female. God blessed them. And after God had made them 
in his image. And after God had established who they were, then he told them, do this work. Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Hey, I've got a big job for you in this world. Before he gave them the work, he was concerned with who they were. Look at the nation of Israel. Obviously, like I said at the beginning, we know what happened. Because God has given us free will, humanity that was given such an incredible purpose, made in the image of God, and given this incredible task of, hey, you see all this creation? You see what I've made? You are going to rule over it. You're gonna reflect my image into the world and you're gonna bring glory to me. You're gonna subdue the earth. Because we had free will, because we made the wrong choice, because we thought we could do it without God, because we thought we could do this work, because we thought we could do this life without God, we were disconnected from that purpose. And then you look at the story in the Bible when we get to the nation of Israel. God frees them from slavery in Egypt. He calls them out. He's gonna make them his own nation. You know what God's intention was for Israel? That they would be a kingdom of priests is what the Bible says so that they could be a nation that is showing the rest of the world who God is and what God is all about. The nation of Israel was intended to be God's vehicle to do his will on the earth. And you wanna know what the first thing God did when he addressed Israel as a nation? What did he do? He gave them the law, right? We, we know it very commonly as the 10 commandments. You see, God had some work he needed Israel to do, but first he needed to address who they were as a people. You see it all throughout scripture, and it's the same for you and I. We look in Genesis, we look at the story of Israel, and then we come to you and I today, it's still the same. Look at the story of Jesus. There is a reason that as Jesus went around teaching about the kingdom, the reason Jesus went around telling people about God, there's a reason that the first thing he did was call people to repent. The first thing that Jesus did was call people to leave their destructive lifestyles and to follow him. Now I know, I don't want you to be confused about it. Yes, Jesus did hang out with sinners. Yes, Jesus did go into places that religious people would not go. Yes, Jesus did hang out with people that you would look at and say, That's, they're not living the life that God wants them to live. Yeah, Jesus was hanging out with people like that. But don't make the mistake of thinking that Jesus ever went into that kind of situation and didn't challenge people to repent. Don't think that Jesus went to hang out with sinners just so he could have a good time and make some funny friends. No. Jesus went into those environments because he wanted to call people to their purpose. So he called them to repent. He called them to turn away from sin, turn away from their lifestyles and follow me because I have the best life you can live. It's the same for you and I. Look in 1 Thessalonians verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Everybody say that word with me, sanctification. One more time, sanctification. This is the will of God, your sanctification. It goes on. Paul writes that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Now, the context here is Paul is writing to a very specific group of people about a very specific problem that obviously involves sexual immorality. But your sanctification, my sanctification, it's not just about sexual immorality. This is what sanctification is all about. It's about ceasing to do evil and learning to do what is right. It has nothing to do with your salvation. It has nothing to do with whether or not you've been justified before God. It has nothing to do with whether or not God has forgiven you of sins. What it has to do is after you've been saved and after you've professed your faith, sanctification is the process that says, okay, now I have some work I need you to do, 
But before you do that work, I need to take care of who you are. And sanctification is not about you learning the rules. It's not about you learning the rules that the Bible says, I can't do this and I can't do that and God's no fun because he won't let me cheat on my wife and God's no fun because he won't let me murder anybody. No, it's, it's God saying, I have a life that I want you to live so that I can have you do the work I need you to do. And that process over the lifetime of us as believers is called sanctification. Paul puts it so beautifully, I think in first or second Corinthians where he says, we're transformed from glory to glory. One translation says this, we're transformed little by little. We're transformed step by step, a piece at a time so that we can look more like Jesus. That's what sanctification is, is you and your life being changed a little bit at a time so that you can look like Jesus, so that you can do the work that Jesus wants you to do. And it doesn't happen through our own power. It doesn't happen because we just decide we're gonna be morally good people because we're not. It happens because the Holy Spirit is alive in you and the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin and the Holy Spirit is challenging you to grow and the Holy Spirit is continuing to call you, follow Jesus, keep following Jesus. You're not done after you got baptized. You're not done. You're not done after you spoke in tongues. You're not done. You need to keep following. You need to keep pursuing. You need to keep repenting. You need to keep making some changes. You need to keep being sanctified so that God can do through you what he needs to do in the earth. So God's purpose for your life is first about who you are. And it's about what you do as that person. Are y'all following me this morning? These two are tied together, but you're, you're not gonna accomplish it if you don't get the first part first. That God has a purpose for your life and it's about who you are and then what you do as that person. He has a design for your life. That doesn't mean he has a predestination for you where you have no choice, where you're gonna ultimately wind up exactly where you needed to be or supposed to be, no. It means that he has a life designed for you and you have a choice. Are you gonna step into the life that God has designed for you, which by the way, is the best life you could ever live? Are you gonna make the choice to step into your purpose? Or are you gonna make the choice not to? That's the question. Does God have purpose for us? Yes, he does. Is that purpose restricted to just one singular thing about me or one thing I might do with my life or one role that I might fulfill? No. You see, I, like I said earlier, it's about everything because when you are the person that God wants you to be, when you are who God wants you to be, when you are who God intended for you to be, then God can take you in any situation that you're in and he can do his will through you. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or a lawyer or a janitor or a principal or a teacher or a pastor. It doesn't matter who you are. If you are first the, God, uh, the person that God has called you to be, then you can literally step into any arena in life and be the person that God has called you to be and do the things that he needs you to do. If you're asking that question, what's the purpose for my life? Do not get sucked into thinking it's about one thing. I gotta find that one thing. If it is about one thing, guess what the one thing is? It's about Jesus. That's the one thing you should be focused on if you wanna accomplish God's will in your life. If it comes down to one thing, make it Jesus. Don't worry about what you do with your hands. Make it about Jesus. I want to clear some things up about our purpose. I know I spent a lot of time talking about God first cares about who we are. And maybe right when I said that, I lost you because you started thinking, well, I'm a terrible person. Well, okay, okay I guess I can't accomplish God's, God's will for my life. I can't accomplish the purpose I was created to accomplish because I'm just a failure. I'm a loser, I'm worthless, I, I've made too many mistakes. I wanna clear it up by saying it doesn't matter 
when or where or what the circumstances were when you were born. Doesn't matter how you were raised. Doesn't matter what the current circumstances of your life are. Maybe you've grown up thinking that you were a mistake. Maybe you've grown up thinking you were an accident. What I'm here to tell you is that everyone is important in the eyes of God and that no matter what your parents told you, you are not an accident. You are not a mistake. And as horrible as the conditions of your life may have been up to this point, God has sent me today to stand before you and say, it's not too late. You're not worthless, that you matter to him, that he has a purpose for your life. And by the way, it's the best life you could ever live. It doesn't matter what kind of life you've lived up to this point. Maybe you messed up last night. Maybe you did some terrible things this morning. Maybe you cussed your kids out on the way to church. Maybe you got in an argument with your spouse. Maybe you looked at something last night you shouldn't have looked at. Maybe you consumed something last night you shouldn't have consumed. Maybe you are consumed right now with a bad attitude. It doesn't matter to God the circumstance and the condition of your life right now. You see, I'm somebody that at a young age decided I didn't want to have anything to do with church. I didn't want to have anything to do with God. And I went and did my own thing for about eight years. And when I had a moment where I decided that the only hope I had in this life was God, you want to know what the first thing I thought to myself is? I have totally ruined any kind of plan and purpose that God had for me. I've ruined it. I've made so many mistakes. I'm such a huge failure. There's no way that now God can use me. If God really wanted me to be a pastor, I've ruined that opportunity. How can I be a pastor? Somebody who's divorced and strung out on substances and a total wreck and a mess. How could God really still use me to be the pastor or a preacher or, or involved in the local church? And what I quickly realized is that that kind of stuff, while it's detrimental for you and I, it doesn't stand against God. And the shame that you feel doesn't stand against God. And the purpose that God has for your life, no matter what damage you think you've done to it, God can still put the pieces back together. And what's amazing is he uses those things that we thought were our biggest shame. And he says, you know what, I'm gonna show you how how powerful I am and how mighty I am. I'm gonna use those things that you see as your weakness. I'm gonna use those things that you see as something that disqualifies you and I'm going to show my strength through those things. The only reason that I'm here alive today speaking to you is because I serve a great and powerful God. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with how good God is and how he put the pieces of my life back together and he can do the same thing for you. God's purpose for your life, as you make your three-year plan and your five-year plan and your 10-year plan and you map out where you wanna go to college and you map out what kind of job you wanna have and you map out your marriage and how many kids you wanna have. Oh, I wanna have three kids. Oh, what about four kids? And where are we gonna live? And where are we gonna honeymoon? As you're planning all of that stuff out, you know what God is saying? He's saying, I have purpose for you right now. Not three years from now, not five years from now, not 10 years from now. I have purpose for you right now. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in some of what you do. Oh, wait, it doesn't say that. It says, seek his will in all you do, in everything about you, in everything about who you are. Seek God's will and he will show you which path to take. Guess what? You're gonna come to points in your life over and over again where you need to clearly identify what path am I supposed to take here? What decision am I supposed to make here? What decision am I supposed to make financially? What decision am I supposed to make about my relationships? What decision am I su supposed to make here about parenting my children? 
You're gonna come to those moments over and over and over. And in the middle of all of that, God's gonna show you his purpose over and over and over. And the way that happens is trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding and seek his will in all that you do. Why? Because he's gonna lead you to the best life you could ever live. Amen. Please stand with me this morning. I hope that what I've said has made sense. I hope that what I've said has helped somebody that came in today feeling hopeless or somebody watching online that's feeling hopeless. I hope I've helped somebody see that the God of the universe from the very beginning had a special purpose for you and I. He had a purpose for you. His purpose was for you to represent him in the world and do the work he's prepared for us. And that calling, that intention hasn't changed. That's still the same. God is calling you today to be the person he needs you to be so that you can do the work he needs you to do. But what is the work? It's bringing his kingdom. There is some, there is some sad news about this. The sad news is this. The sad news is that you and I, in this life, can never truly be the people that God intended for us to be. Why? As hard as this is to understand and recognize and admit and come to terms with, and the reason it's difficult is because what the world says is just be a good person. If you're a good person, it's all gonna work out. And I'm sorry to say, this is not the fun part of my message for me to tell you, you're not a good person. I'm not a good person. We are corrupt because of sin. We are wicked to our core. The Bible says that the human heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And part of the thing it wants to deceive you about is that you're a good person. But the fact that sin has disconnected us from God means that we could never really be the people God that the people that God needs us to be because we're sinful. And that means we could never do the things that he has prepared for us to do. That's the sad reality for you and I. But there's good news. Don't despair. Don't despair about that. Don't despair because you continue to make mistakes. Don't despair because you go to church Sunday after Sunday and you read your Bible and you pray and you wanna be close to God and you are growing closer to God, but you still make mistakes and you still mess up. Don't be discouraged because there is someone who came because God knew this is how much God loves you. I want you to get this. This is how much God loved you. This is how much God wants you to live in the purpose that he designed for you. That he recognized that we couldn't accomplish it and we couldn't do that because of sin. So he decided to resolve the issue himself. So Jesus came and lived as a man, God in flesh. And he lived a perfect, blameless, sinless life. And he took our sins upon himself. Every terrible thing you've ever done, every terrible thing you are going to do, and just your human nature that causes you to doubt and have shame, Jesus took that upon himself and died on the cross so that that sin could no longer separate you from God.
And I want you to see, this is what the Bible tells us. This is what God tells us, that Jesus took on our sin so that God looked at Jesus and unleashed his wrath on Jesus on the cross. His wrath, all of his wrath towards sin was unleashed on Jesus so that it wouldn't be unleashed on you and I. And in exchange, you wanna know what the Bible says? This is crazy. It's hard to understand this. That once that happened, that God imputed the righteousness of Jesus Christ onto us. That doesn't mean that we suddenly become perfect just like Jesus and we don't sin just like Jesus. That means when we approach God, He doesn't see your failures and he doesn't see your mistakes. He sees his perfect son. And guess what? While you and I could never be the people that God needs us to be, we can be in Jesus Christ, the vessel for him to do his work. John chapter 14, verses five and six. This is the last thing and I'm done. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, and this is towards the end of Jesus' ministry when he's about to ascend. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Lord, I don't know what my purpose is, so what am I supposed to do? Lord, it's not very clear right now because my life is full of adversity and problems and sickness and chaos. How am I supposed to know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, the best life that you could ever live. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one connects to the purpose that God had for you unless they first come to me. Everybody wants to know their purpose. What's my purpose? What's the meaning of life? It's through Jesus Christ that we can be reconnected. And you know what the beautiful thing is? Because of Jesus Christ, we get the opportunity to live in eternity with him when his kingdom is established on earth and Jesus reigns as king, then things are going to be restored to God's original intent, just like they were in the Garden of Eden, just like when he created Adam and Eve in his image to subdue and rule over the earth. That's where this is all going but it only happens because of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you walked in and, and maybe we, when we started talking about purpose, you were thinking you were gonna get some life coaching or some practical steps on how to identify it. I'm here to tell you as someone who lives to preach the gospel, the only way you're going to find the purpose that God intended for you to have in this life is by following Jesus It's by surrendering to Jesus. It's by putting your faith in Jesus and by making your whole life about Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus already has got some work he needs you and I to do, but we're supposed to do it through him as his hands and feet. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Lord, thank you so much for this day. And Jesus, Thank you for your sacrifice. You stepped into our reality. You stepped into time and space. You saw the problem, you saw the separation, and you resolved yourself to be the solution. You took on all of our sin and in exchange imputed your righteousness to us. You gave us the opportunity to follow after you, to repent, You gave us the opportunity to join with you to bring your kingdom. And maybe today, Lord, there's someone who needs to have that revelation that the only way they're gonna find the meaning and the purpose and the fulfillment that their eternal spirit is longing for is when they get in a relationship with you. I'm gonna ask a question. I don't want anybody looking around. But if you are somebody that walked in this place today and you have never committed your life to Christ, you have never put faith in Jesus, you have never repented from sin and decided I'm gonna follow after Jesus. If that's you today and you're ready 
to step into the best life you could ever live, if that's you today and you're ready to step into your purpose, would you just raise your hand right now? Thank you so much. If you are somebody in this place today who has been around church for a little while, you've been around faith for a little while, your family has gone to church all the time, but it just hasn't been real for you. And you recognize the need that you have for Jesus to stand in your place, for him to take on your sin, for him to give you this best life you could ever live. If that's you and you're just ready to say, I'm all in, will you raise your hand this morning? Now you see, every hand needs to be raised because that's always the call is to follow Jesus. Lord, help us to see today. Help us to see today the things that we truly need to repent from. Help us to see today that all of our mistakes and failures, that they don't matter to you, that you can put our broken pieces back together, that you can step into our chaos and bring order that you can step into our confusion and bring clarity, that you can step into our world and bring purpose, that the best life we could ever live is the life that you have for us, where you are sanctifying us and causing us to be more and more like you so that we can do the work that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to ask our prayer team to come forward. Our team's gonna lead us one more time. I think this is an opportunity for somebody to take their next step. Today, this is an opportunity for you to say, you know what? I have been feeling worthless and hopeless and I have been feeling like this doesn't make sense and there's no purpose, but I'm ready to put my faith in the one that can bring me purpose. I'm ready to put my faith in the one that can help me live the best life I could ever live. I'm ready to repent from some things and turn away from some things that I've been doing so that I can pursue Jesus with all my heart. If that's you, as the band leads us, I want you to find a prayer team partner. I want you to talk through those things. These people are trained and they're competent to help lead you in prayer. If there's some things you need to talk about, these are the people to do it with. So as the band leads us, I invite you, even if you wanna just come forward into this altar to worship and pray, please come now. Come now.